Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens. A production of WQPT. PBS for the Quad Cities region. A podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues, and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is The Cities. The flood forecast is out for western Illinois and eastern Iowa. The good news? It's got a lot more to do with the ground than the water. The freeze depth isn't deep in our soil, so that soil won't take long to thaw before it can soak in all that water. That's good news. And areas up north aren't as packed with snow as some would fear. That's good news because what melts up there always flows down here. Planning for the spring ritual of flooding is something the Bi-State Regional Planning Commission does, and its executive director, Denise Bulat, talked to us about the best and worst scenarios that we may see. What is usual flooding? I mean, we've gotten so used to flooding each year. Is that usual flooding or are we just uh, rewriting the rules? Because we used to hear of 100-year floods and 500-year floods, and now it's almost like annual or biannual floods. Yes, um, what we're seeing is a greater and an increase in more extreme weather. So flooding has increased in its severity. And uh, we've seen some of our top 10 crests in the last 20 years rather than the last 40 or 50 years. So that's what part of the problem is, is that we're seeing extreme weather for whatever reasons increases in extreme weather and we're having to address it. Well, and the other thing is that, I mean, as far as planning is concerned, I mean, everyone says build a wall and stop the flooding. Everyone has always talked about, you know, wrapping the river in a certain way so that the water flows through. But there's real criticism of the fact that urban areas are just pushing the problem further down the river. I would assume that that's a major part of your planning, particularly when it comes to the Mississippi River. Actually, it's both. Uh, where we have levees, it wouldn't be prudent to remove them. If you look at all the assets behind those levees, we certainly need, need to maintain and recertify them. And we also need to provide pumps to get the stormwater from behind them during a flood event. So our communities still invest in the recertification of those levees and also in pumps that help get stormwater from the other side. However, there are lots of new mitigation member, me measures like encouraging residential and business best practices on stormwater so it rolls more slowly, if you will, off of our properties. Uh, also creating uh, wetland areas, uh, also uh, looking at ways to buy out properties, but buyouts are typically done on a voluntary basis. And once that property is bought out, especially with federal emergency management dollars, then that property stays in open space for uh, forever. And that helps um, with um, the impacts of 
water uh, with uh, flooding and the impacts on resident residences and businesses. And we have seen that very much in this area over the last 20 years in, in areas big and small. You think of Cleveland, Illinois, where basically much of the community had to move away from the Rock River. You look at uh, what the Garden Edition near the Mississippi River and the backwaters in Davenport. You think of Green Valley area in Moline along the Rock River where a huge buyout was occurring. And now we're actually seeing one in of all places, the heart of Bettendorf along Duck Creek. Yes, um, those are the buyout programs and that under uh, shows how important it is for us to all do hazard mitigation planning. So each of the counties in the bi-state region actually prepares hazard mitigation plans. And those kinds of projects, plus simply uh, enforcing our floodplain ordinances, encouraging best practices, and those specific projects that are buyouts or helping a, a local a, a residents actually raise them themselves out of the water and maybe have allow for water to flow underneath that structure, all of those kinds of projects uh, require funding and those appear in hazard mitigation plans which are updated every five years. Well and as you well know the latest uh, reports from the National Weather Service, the hydrologists, the ones that do the predicting are saying that we could see some problems along the Rock River in particular and you think of the Rock River, uh, let's take a look at the Rock River in two different ways I guess because as you mentioned I mean having buildings that are built in a way so that the water flows through it you see that in house after house along yep. uh, North Shore Drive and South Shore Drive in Moline. The, the, the people who live along the river are prepared for that. The other point of view that I wanted to ask also is that when you think of the Rock River and you're driving up I-88, you see those flooded farmlands. Um, so mm -hmm. take me through both of those because we always think of the urban flooding as being the real issue, but the rural flooding also has a major issue as well for farmers and others. Yes, it does. Um, I think the farmers are fairly resilient. Uh, they're aware of which parts of their properties will likely flood, and so they plan on planting at different times. But when that flood water encroaches areas that where a flood water is typically not expected, then that can be very impactful on the amount of crops that they can plant, and of course then um, how much they'll make um, from the sale of their products. So it, it, it can be, they do have to uh, consider that and look at that. So the Rock River actually is interesting because the Rock River is more of a local flooding issue. When we talk about a flood on the Mississippi River, that water is actually coming from the north. It's coming from Minnesota and Wisconsin, and it's coming down to us. On the Rock River, a lot of that flooding occurs locally, right here. It does come down the river, but it also occurs right here, and a lot of it occurs be due to uh, ice jams. Ice jams have been really particularly brutal yes. in, 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 the, in the lower part of the Rock River. You're absolutely right. Yes, and so what's happened, unfortunately, this past one month of, uh, of below, zero, below 32 and degrees and sometimes below zero weather has meant that that ice pack has gotten thicker and thicker. And now as we get warmer, it will crack up faster, and that's perfect for ice jams to form. So there will definitely be impacts um, locally on the Rock River. Well, and we have seen, you know, I've been along that river where you're hearing it crunching. It is, it is a dramatic picture. But as yeah. we say, the people that live along that area are used to it and, and believe yeah. that's just a part of river living. Is that yeah. something, because you've you said a lot of these programs are voluntary, but do you dissuade people from buying that? 
Well, what will what? First of all, um, that would have to be disclosed in a purchase. So if someone new was buying a home on the Rock River and someone was selling their property, it would have to be disclosed in a purchase. And most lenders, if you were going to need a mortgage, would be would need to be uh, would probably not even give a mortgage in the floodplain. They're very very careful of that. In fact, the buyout you mentioned earlier in along Duck Creek in Bettendorf is is being done by the city of Bettendorf because of that. There are homeowners who lived in residential properties in a nice middle class neighborhood where their children could walk to elementary school and all of a sudden they're part of a floodplain because of increased flooding and they can't sell their home that they've lived in for 20, 30 years and they're left without money to go uh, retire. So that can be very, very impactful. So our floodplain ordinances do discourage development in the floodplain, especially in the floodway and also in the 100-year floodplain and the 500-year floodplain. But the floodway, where the water actually flows in and out, um, that's where uh, development is discouraged. And if it does occur, it does have to allow for those raised um, structures where water can flow in and out. The floodway cannot have any new instructions or obstructions um, uh, placed there. Denise, you alluded to the fact that we all have a role to play to, to mitigate uh, flooding as far as our, uh, how we run our personal homes and our personal lives. Are, are we looking at a more natural approach? Because I know that the people that uh, operate Nahant Marsh think that the marsh should be expanded. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think almost a trillion gallons of water was filtered through that area during the 2019 floods. It, it, it was an amazing um, uh, benefit, I guess, if there is such a thing after that huge flooding. Yes, Nahant Marsh was able to store some of the flood waters which helps slow them down going downstream, say, to Muscatine and further south. So it is very important. It also filters the water and helps it clean it up, really. And Nahant Marsh is expanding so that they, it, we can see more of that um, process occur in the Nahant Marsh area. It is an unusual area. We do have other wetlands on the other side of the river in the uh, Big Island area. And so there are some Milan Bottoms area. That's why those natural areas aren't, or don't allow for development. They also can provide for that opportunity. So those are definitely important. And in our own neighborhoods along creeks, we can um, remember that uh, to allow the water to flow, not put an obstruction down. If our home backs up to a creek, don't put something down near the creek or throw things into the creek that would allow debris to back up when the creek waters have to go under, let's say, a roadway and a culvert. And understand that the cities and local governments that have created those um, easements along creeks are keeping them clear and also keeping them wooded with the right kind of plant life so they can filter water as it moves it way, its way down to the Mississippi River or the Rock River and they also can slow the water down. If we slow the water down, it gives it an opportunity to seep back into our, our, our groundwater and also, again, have, gives a, a greater opportunity for it to be cleaned up. What's the big lesson that we learned as far as urban planning is concerned from the flood of 2019? Because it's been an ongoing fight, of course, from 1965, if not sooner than that, uh, uh, to, to make sure that we're ready for these high waters. 
there's a lot of projects that are being planned right now um, that are, I think the lesson was that the, the severity of events is going to increase. So we need to look at those assets that are particularly important, like the wastewater treatment plant for the Iowa Quad Cities and the industrial area of, of Muscatine, for instance, where over 3,000 jobs are, are held. And we need to look at how do we protect those assets. An example for how we protected the water treatment plant for the Iowa Quad Cities was a ring levee was built around Iowa American Water. And that was a project that was supported lo locally and with a unified voice. So it's those kinds of projects that are important as a region, but then we also need to understand that we'll still need to certify and keep our levies, otherwise it could be disastrous, but let's look at how we impact others. And when we, if we're building a new levy, I think that there's going to be um, a real hard look at that because again, those new levies actually need to be permitted by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And they're going to be very careful about looking at the impacts on everyone downstream, across that waterway, everywhere. Denise Bulat, Executive Director of Bi-State Regional Planning Commission. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network.